Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and we're talking about what is astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we're preaching. So I'll go first. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we um, actually did take a walk this morning, even though it's 22 degrees here, which is really cold for Charlotte. And um, I'm definitely feeling a little more ready to um, face the world after taking that walk, although I did not want to at all. I just wanted to curl up in the corner of the Starbucks and eat chocolate and complain about everything. And I guess um, I'm getting to what astonishes me, but I'm just going to warn you, it's a long way around the barn because I, um, you know, this is, was a, this is a hard week and a hard moment in ministry. And I, Mm. I really hate it when pastors talk as if ministry is harder than any other way of being a believer because a there is no way to be a disciple of jesus christ without being in ministry it's just some things we name and recognize and some things we don't so i don't feel like my life is more arduous than other people's Mm -hmm. in fact i mostly walk around astonished at the burdens people care carry and and the way that they carry them and so um, and the gift of being in ministry Right. Right. Uh, Yes. Um, And I guess I just, I feel like we've said this before, but I just feel like it's important to say, like, we come to this moment and start with what astonishes us. Like, the the risk is that it just sounds so fake and cheesy, like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. That's so good. Everything's fine. And, and I, and I mean, everything is not always fine and things are hard and, I mean, a lot of times um, the gift of our friendship and, and the conversations that we have when we're on a walk are things that I would never talk about in the podcast because it's specific to, you know, situations that are going on in life or in the church that I, I need a, an appropriate place to just complain right. and whatever, pull a Jonah and, <laughs> and say, I'm feeling sorry for myself and I really need to reorient myself to reality and I just don't feel like it yet. And so I would like to have a little pity party and lucky you, you get to have a pity party with me. And, um, but, and, and I feel like, um, the, the choice to work, to discern, um, where God is active and present and to choose to take a posture of, astonishment does not rarely rarely feels natural Hmm. i mean it often just feels like work and it feels like effort which can feel fake Um, forced right and i just i mean i just want to acknowledge that and even though even though that is true i still think that it is a spiritual discipline that's worth cultivating even when it feels like discipline and so um, and, and it's interesting this week because the poet Mary Oliver died last week. And so I like Mary Oliver, but cue 95,000 <laughs> different quotes of people about Mary Oliver. But one thing that I really appreciate about her work is that she, in the natural world, like that was her whole shtick was, I am going to pay attention to the world and choose yeah. to be astonished and do the really hard work of expressing that astonishment in a way that feels authentic mm-hmm. and real and revelatory and and you know i don't always i can't always achieve that but i really i i think that the attempt mm. matters so um you know I, I intellectually theologically um i am astonished i am aware and grateful at the presence of god um particularly on sunday um, one of our church members was leading the prayers of the people, and she 
um, listened to um, God leading her to have us do things a little bit differently and took a risk, which is amazing. And she asked people to sort of clump in groups of two or three and begin the prayers of the people by sharing um, what they were thankful for, like what good things God yeah. had been doing in their life and in their experience. And, um, and, and so I was standing with two men, both of whom are fairly new to the congregation. And, um, and, and the, the things that they shared, um, places of, of healing and overcoming were incredible and, mm. and incredible, to, to see um, that one man who I really admire in particular say, you know, God is moving in my life um, in this way and through this, through this congregation. And I feel so um, just humbled and mm. reverent about that and, and aware that there's no reasonable explanation for that change in his life, except that, God is real and at work in feeble, messy, mm. you know, broken human communities that get it wrong more often than they get it right. right. Yeah. And that gives me hope and it gives me, you know, zeal to keep going, even on days when it doesn't feel happy, happy, joy, joy. And there are a lot of days it really does, but I just, I, I feel like it's important to be really authentic that like a lot of days it doesn't. And I'm not going to pretend that somebody's done me wrong or, you know, somebody else is probably I mean, like, it just, um, it's hard to, it's painful to be human and mm. be awake and be noticing, um, and not denying, um, the pain. And particularly when you're trying to create a community where, um, people are able to show up and be honest when things aren't going well and there aren't any quick fixes um, and we can't solve it for each other. So um, that was just this really beautiful moment. Mm. And it's funny because in that moment, you know, you're in that prayer experience and it just, and you have this sensation of like, Oh, this is enough and this will carry me through. And it's amazing how much it doesn't emotionally. And you just kind of have to, um, you know, go back um, and reorient yourself. So I'm just saying, that it is difficult to be astonished this moment. Like I don't feel in awe, but I know, um, you know, I know who God is and I, I know how God has been moving and I know I won't be in this particular space forever, Mm -hmm. but it's just normal um, to be in this space. And it doesn't mean that anything is extraordinarily broken. It just means kind of what it is to be, human yeah yeah stumbling after god in this moment so Mm. um so that's what astonishes me (laughs) (laughs) no that that that's um that's good in terms of you know being honest about where you are and um if you're not uh happy happy joy joy about anything um but but yet seeing the reality of god moving in people's lives and seeing the reality of a lot of people going through very difficult circumstances, I can... Well, and just saying, like, my, you know, I, my feelings are real 
yeah. but they are not reality. And they are certainly not the reality of who God is. And so not wanting to walk in denial of my feelings, but also wanting to be able to say like, yep, this is where I am and this is real. And it's just not the sum total of what I believe in or what I believe is ultimately true. And so yeah. I don't want to put on a, you know, I don't yeah. want to deny yeah. them, put on yeah. a mask and be fake. But mm-hmm. I also want to say, you know, even still, I... I know that God is good and God mm. is being good to me. And, you know, so, and and I'm, <laughs> this is going to sound, I mean, I am not in crisis. It's just days are hard and lots of people's days are hard. Yes. And yes. I feel like we don't always do, a, um, we don't do a very good job of making it okay for people to say that things are hard and making it okay for people to say, but I, I really am trying to and choosing to walk in joy and walk in hope even when it feels fake. Even when it well, um, even when it's hard. Even yeah. when it's hard and when it feels fake, but I know it isn't fake. Yeah. Um, and without denying the reality. So enough. What well, is th- <laughs> well just one last thing about that. You know, if if I just look at my own, for example, if, if prayer. Right. And sometimes I pray when I don't feel like right. it. When I'm when it right. when it's not fireworks and Holy right. cow, God is in the room. I still pray because it's a discipline. My feelings might be one thing, but the the discipline I value. And I know that even though my feelings don't match exactly what I, 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 I know to be true about the discipline, I do it anyway, knowing that there'll, there'll be a time when my feelings do catch up. Right, right, right. No, I, I, I think that's where it is. And I just think sometimes it, it feels... Um, wrong to choose to look for something to be astonished in when you're so aware of you know just how much pain people are in and how you know whatever you're mad about your sermon or you're mad about this or that and the other and you just don't feel like you you are can really show up in that space but it's still it's still a discipline I choose so I'm just talking to hear myself talk now so what is astonishing you (laughs) well I was invited um last night to attend the Spartanburg Unity Celebration, the MLK Unity Mm -hmm. Celebration. A musician friend of mine, Ken, invited me to attend. And um, Spartanburg is about an hour and a half away from Charlotte. And um, really wasn't looking forward to the drive. It was in the evening. And so I thought, well, I'll just show up because my friend asked me to go. And um, holy cow, it was so much better than I thought. Um, 60 churches in Spartanburg get together to do this and um, they create this mass choir, this orchestra, this children's choir, this dance group, and they just celebrate the work of racial reconciliation in their city. And apparently, um, you know, I don't know Spartanburg well, but apparently from what I got last night, um, there's still quite a bit of of tension and division sure. in that city and um but I was astonished by the power of celebration mm-hmm. right cuz you know part of my brain says you know just put your head down and get the work done right if yeah if if reconciliation needs to happen and justice needs to happen be about that work and uh in the midst of this glorious celebration. I I mean, I'm an emotive guy in worship, but last night I was, I was fighting back the, like, like the ugly boohoo cry. It was so good. And um, like I said to you on our walk, there's something that moves me deeply about seeing, about seeing white people sing gospel music well. 
mm-hmm. um, and enjoying it. And, you know, it was this multi-ethnic uh, choir. And But uh, my takeaway from that, what, what astonishes me is, you know, what they were doing was celebrating the work, the progress that's happened, mm-hmm. even though things aren't where they want them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what was happening in the room was that they were being energized for the work ahead. And yeah, like, I think, yeah, yeah. That's, and that's, you, can't, you can't be what you can't see, and you need to have experiences of authentic community, and you need to count wins in order to have the courage to believe that yeah. it's worth doing the work, yeah. you know, yeah. that it's worth, that it's worth yeah. taking the risks, that yeah. there's a possibility of realization. I think that's so true. I mean, not to say we don't, we absolutely need to tell the truth mm-hmm. about the deep systemic persistent, pervasive injustice that is happening right now. But we also have to be able to create spaces to authentically celebrate or else we can't, we'll lose heart. So I, I think that really, that's really cool. That's pretty great. Yeah. And one of the things that it caused me to think about was, you know, my own preparation for Sunday worship you're doing, you know, the things that we do every Sunday, preparing prayers and sermons and, I'm thinking, how can I make this celebration, right? That we're giving thanks for all that God has done in our lives, knowing that life isn't perfect, that most of the people in the room are going through something, but we're, we're getting energized for what's ahead. And um, I, I, I left just on such a high that I did not expect. I expected mm-hmm. to be able to say to my friend, hey, thanks for the invitation, I showed up like you asked me to, and that would be the end of it. But I left really grateful having had that experience because I I received a gift that I, I wasn't expecting. To well, receive. and I mean it's interesting because like that's the whole that's the whole power of disciplines, right? You, mm-hmm. you do things really not expecting them to make any difference. Mm-hmm. You do them based on you know the wisdom of the tradition yeah. or the witness of yeah. other people who are in certain yeah. places. You do them, and, and and then the reality is they do bear fruit. Well, I mean, and some, sometimes in the moment, lightning strikes, mm-hmm. and sometimes you just walk in the discipline for a while, mm-hmm. and nothing seems to be happening, and then, boom, there it is. Yeah, and I do think, I mean, it's interesting because on a Sunday morning, I mean, there's obviously an element of celebration Every Sunday morning. Yes, because every Sunday is a mini Easter, right? Right. But I also think, you know, not every moment is a moment of celebration, right? And so I right. think sometimes, mm-hmm. like, we just get caught in the trap of feeling like, you know, it's it's so rare. It should only mm-hmm. be busted out every year of Jubilee. But then we also get caught in the opposite tract of like, no, every every time you need to show up yeah. feeling exhilarated yeah. or, over, you know, yeah. and just neither of those things are true. So, um, yeah, but that's... That's really interesting. So what are you thinking about? I am thinking about um, a huge mistake I made <laughs> um, at our last elders meeting. Um, you know, we, our last podcast, we talked about this article I had read about exorcism. And um, and you know me. I'm, a, um, I'm reformed and charismatic. I fit kind of comfortably in that camp, even though I don't, you know, embrace everything. Wait. Wait, I just messed up your phone. I'm sorry. I was trying to see how much time we had done, and then it's going to talk, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't hey, want to interrupt you, but deal. I knew it was going to come. And, sorry. Okay. Fail. Podcast fail. A mistake you made in the el- in the elder training. You were talking about exercise. Elders meeting. Elders meeting. Yes. yes. And um, so meeting's over. It's time to pray and go home. So I start praying, and suddenly 
I feel this heavy, oppressive spirit in the room. Now, my charismatic self wants to do two things. Right. Number one, pray about that. Mm-hmm. Two, also stop praying and have a conversation with the people in the room. Does anybody else sense that? Mm-hmm. Since what's going on besides me, let's talk about this. But I've already had conversations. I know my context isn't comfortable with that. The, mm-hmm. the folks um, at Dorado Church have shared with me, you know, that's that's not our deal. Um, and we can slowly work our way to that, but we're just not there. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of launched into what I naturally do. And then I caught myself mm-hmm. because I didn't want to make it weird. Mm-hmm. But in... Trying not to make it weird. I made it weird. Because yeah, what's not weird right, about what we're doing, really? Well, like, and, I, <laughs> I, and I was praying, and, and I did what I would naturally do. I said, God, there's something wrong in the room, and it's it's heavy, and I don't like it. And, and I caught myself, and I stopped, and I went to something else very quickly, kind of hoping that they wouldn't notice. And then I ended the prayer, and we all went home. And later, you know, I talked to some of the elders. They were like, um... Are you angry with us? <laughs> Did we do something to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, oh no, that was not about yeah. you. Yeah. And so, just have been kind of unpacking that for some people, and um, I know I'm going to have to lean into that in terms of teaching. It's 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 time for me to do that. Uh, but also at our next meeting coming up this Wednesday night, I'm just going to have to say, look, here's what happened. Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, I because what I think is really great about that is twofold. One is I mean, we get into trouble when we try to protect people from the reality of who we really are and what our whole experiences are. And like in that moment, you were trying to be really loving to them by saying like, well, I just won't show you this part of myself because it'll make you uncomfortable. Um, and, And the reality is like it creates a different kind of discomfort when Mm -hmm. people, when we're just not able to be really honest with one another, which is to say like, you know, hey, this this might not make you uncomfortable. You don't have to agree with me about this. You don't have to even, you know, think that I'm, you know, right. sane or right yeah, when it comes yeah. to this. But I need to be honest with you about this is this is who I am and how mm-hmm. I experience the world. And I think, um, you know, that's hard, particularly if we're thinking about trying to be a growing church and a church yeah. where people can can show up as who they really are with mm-hmm. the fullness of how God is in their lives. We have to be able to create space for people to say and do and have experiences that cause healthy spiritual discomfort to yeah. us. Because I think there's yeah. a big difference between healthy spiritual discomfort and then unhealthy mm-hmm. discomfort. So there's, I and we we talk about this a lot at the Grove, and we've actually talked a lot about adding it as a, as a sixth guiding principle that we as a congregation practice healthy spiritual discomfort. Mm. So a lot of times, say on Sunday morning, when Zayil asks people to like, stand in threes and share and pray for each other, that would be uncomfortable for lots of people in the room. Introverts. Right. Well, (laughs) or people who just don't pray out loud or people who don't Mm -hmm. like, I mean, whatever, just lots of reasons that could be uncomfortable, but it's a healthy discomfort, right? Because there's nothing about that that is manipulative. There's nothing about that that's counter to the witness of scripture. Like clearly scripture says we're to pray for one another, right? And so you can't grow if you're never willing to be uncomfortable because growth is uncomfortable, right? right? Absolutely. But then there are some times when the preacher might be talking about, you know, you got to give this much money or else, or you should, that you feel an 
a discomfort that is not healthy, that is a signal of, you know, the Holy Spirit saying to you, like, this isn't right, or you're being manipulated, or this isn't of God. And so being able to differentiate between sometimes when you're uncomfortable, you need to leave because Mm -hmm. someone is misusing the power of God or the name of God or whatever, and you need to be able to pay attention to that. And sometimes when you're uncomfortable, you need to be able to discern I am uncomfortable because God is calling me to grow into something or become something. But this is, you know, like in an exercise class, if you're <laughs> never uncomfortable when you're exercising, then you're not growing more healthy. That's right, yeah. Um, but yeah. then certainly you you can practice unhealthy you know, mm. discomfort and, and really injure yourself. And so I just feel like giving people the capacity, talking about that <laughs> and giving the people to, uh, you know, discern the capacity, giving mm. people the capacity to discern is this a healthy life-giving discomfort or is this a discomfort that comes from me having wisdom mm. that says this is out of line with scripture, right. this is out of line with the fullness of who Jesus is, this is not. And that's tough because I feel like a lot of people, you know, there's danger. People are like, no matter what somebody in this role says, I just got to go with it because they're in this role, so that's it must right. be okay. That's, right. that's yeah. terrible. And people who say, well, the second I get uncomfortable, I know that God you know, hasn't asked me to do this, so I'm out I'm the out. door, right? Yeah. Like that, neither of those two extremes are healthy. Mm. And as everything, the the messy middle is just a lot harder to live in. That's so. a whole lot more. But I think sharing that story with your elders is such a gift because it lets them be able to see that you, you really care about them. I and do. You're really, and I want, I don't want to offend and I want to, I want them to see some things. I want them to know some things, experience some things. I want to bring them along. I want well, them to, um, and I, I want to show up as my full self. Right. And so there's tension between wanting to say to people, hey, I'm not telling you to change so that you can become acceptable to me or acceptable right. to God. That's not Because you I'm already saying. are. Right? right. That's not but what I'm I saying. Also, exactly. Yeah. And so in that is the sense why you would sort of say, you know what, I'm going to stop this prayer because I just, you know, I'm not trying to say change or else but on the other hand being able to say i do want to show up and be honest about Mm -hmm. who i am and i don't want to reinforce this idea that there are some parts of the christian faith that are for me but not for you right that's not true there aren't like levels of of Mm -hmm. believers right Mm -hmm. so i mean i just think that's a that's a but i just think it will help people sitting around that table know how much your trying to be a good pastor to them and you're just constantly doing the discerning of like is this too much is this too little Mm -hmm. and and also just modeling like hey i made a mistake it's not the end of the world yeah but let's talk about it and let's grow from it and you know what was your experience in that moment and you know well when when one of the elders asked are you angry with us i'm like no that was not about you that was totally not about you and when i heard that i thought oh i have got to address this um Yeah, I was not rebuking you. No, <laughs> this was not about you. I love you. You guys are great. You're fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so, what are you thinking about? Well, I um, I am also thinking about a huge mistake I made, and we talked about this um, on the walk a little bit. So, I just had one of the biggest parenting fails in my life on Sunday. Um, because I was standing around in the sanctuary after church on Sunday and I was talking to one of my children and there was a, a friend church member in the room and I I was um, encouraging my child to 
listen more um, intentionally during worship, and I was encouraging her to to really be interested and curious about who God is, and not just watching the clock. And I and and I I believe all of that, but the problem was. I was also kind of aware of this other adult who I really respect and honor being in the room. And I was kind of, you know, I don't know. It just was a huge mess. And and the bottom line is, like, after the conversation, we're driving home and I look back and my sweet girl is crying because she feels like I think that she's, you know, not in love with Jesus enough or not really. I, I mean, it was just, it was awful and i felt terrible that i had given her this impression and i and i and i totally felt that i understood why she heard that and i and i you know i pulled the car over and i went back and sit in the back seat with her and i said like i i just am so sorry that's not what i think mm. i i was really never should have had that kind of conversation with you not in private mm. Um, I just, I felt awful. And I, the only reason I'm bringing it up besides that it's cathartic to shame myself is I just, we were talking before that like as a pastor, it's so, it it is so difficult to navigate being a parent to your child Mm. and playing this role in the church and the ways that those intersect. And I have really strong values about my children are not ministry props, Mm. um, that my role as a mother to my children comes before my role as a pastor to a church. And so if there is a conflict between the two, I choose parenting my children, especially Mm you know, at this age, you know, when they, when they are young and, and I have real values about, I think one of the things that I find wrong in the world and in the church is that sometimes we care more about what things look like than Mm. what they are. And so we'll sort of manipulate reality or we'll do things that are, that we know aren't right in order to make a thing look a certain way, instead of recognizing that I would rather, you know, focus on becoming a loving community or becoming an authentic community, even if that means that at times it looks messy or it mm. looks, you know, whatever. And I just, I just, in the moment after a, you know, what had been a tough Sunday morning for me, I just wasn't being very thoughtful. Mm. Right. And I just, you know, I just did not act in line with my own values. And I really, I really hurt my child. And, um, I just, I, I just, when we talked about it when we were walking, um, but just how hard that is. And I guess I really believe in the promises that God made to my children and their baptisms. Mm, that's I, good. Yeah. I get a ton of comfort from knowing that God keeps promises. Mm. And, and I know that God certainly kept promises to me yeah. that I didn't... And so I don't know why I fall into this trap of feeling like, well, I better make sure that my kids think like this or feel like this or have this experience or else, or else what? Yeah. Or else God yeah. is not going to reveal himself to them or else, you know, I better do my part or else God's will won't be able to be done in their lives. Like I just, you know, and I, and I think sometimes in the church, if I don't, if I don't look like I'm coming down hard on my kids, then it can look like. I don't yeah. take their Christian faith seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I end up like 
saying and doing things that I I don't even know if I would do, but because I'm, and it's just, yeah. it's just gross and it's just unhealthy and it's a betrayal of my my promises that I made to my child to trust God with them and to, anyway. So it just and was you're, a, and you're because I know you um, fairly well. Just your your own deepest values, right? Right. Yeah. right. Well, and because I mean, my thing is like my children need to know that I do not love them based upon how much they love the Lord, mm-hmm. right? Like that mm-hmm. they, that my parental relationship with them is not contingent upon them becoming a disciple of Jesus yeah. Christ. Like that's, that's not, yeah. I, I have unconditional love for them and I always will. And it's the no matter whatness of God that I'm expressing. My love is not a tool to be used ever so lovingly to, you know, change them or control them. And that's, that's my value. And so what it costs is sometimes people are going to look at my parenting style and make assumptions and make judgments. And I just have to be okay with that. That parenting is not a spectator sport. Um, but I just, you know what I just really, I, I, I really messed up and I really, I mean, whatever. And it's not the end of the world. And, and, you know, we talked about it and I think it's good for my kids to experience me saying like I I made a mistake and I hurt you and I'm really sorry and I didn't mean what I said and you know that's good um, for them to know that sometimes we say hurtful things and we you know that's part of being human and all we can do is go back and say I'm sorry and that's not what I believe and I didn't intend to hurt you, but I know that I did, and I hope you can forgive me. But it just was not a it was not a good day, <laughs> and I'm, I'm just still sort of sort of thinking about that and trying to make sure that I leverage it um, mm. for the good in the future. Even though I'm not naive enough to believe that it's not going to happen again, because it it will. But perhaps, but perhaps not. Maybe not in the exact same way, but yeah. So oh. anyway, so. So that's good. Uh, so what are you thinking about? I know we're out of almost out of time. You mean preaching? Preaching. Yes. Yes. What are you preaching? <laughs> um, Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. It's an mm. interesting um, text. Um, Stephen has been stoned to death. Persecution breaks out. And uh, the church in Jerusalem scatters. And uh, the believers continue to share the gospel And then the text, even in those short eight verses, kind of zooms in on one particular believer, Philip, and he is sharing the gospel. And um, it says that unclean spirits are going out of people with shrieks and uh, people are being healed. And the last verse, verse eight says, and there was great joy in the city. Uh, And they're they're in Samaria. They lived in there in Samaria. Um, and so we are beginning to um, look at our new mission statement, which begins joyfully sharing the hope of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so just that that text um, uh, has been on my mind. It, it's an example of someone who's not an apostle, not a preacher, Philip, and he is, like the other believers, sharing the gospel and um, and having this, this supernatural stuff, phenomena happen. Uh, demons are being cast out and people are being healed. And uh, so I think, so what am I going to do with, with, with that text? And especially in light of our mission statement, sharing the hope 
of, of Jesus. And I think what, what the text is, is saying, is highlighting for us, is that just as this early church, this, this non-seminary trained... Um, um, wait, wait, what? Are you saying that Jesus can work in a community of people uh, when no one's been to seminary? Hello. No, I, 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 no, I, no, no, no. Shudder the thought, yeah. Um, but... Uh, we say that as two but, people who went to seminary yes, and yes, greatly right. benefited from yes, it. Yes, greatly be benefited clarified. from it. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it in terms of we exist to not just um, think about our own joy, mm-hmm. <laughs> celebrate our own joy in Jesus, but to spread joy. How can we cause our city, cause our, be a part mm-hmm. of our city, be a part of our neighborhood rejoicing in Jesus through the ministry of the church? And I'm just looking at those three things. They, they share the gospel. They um, are, uh, because of the, the ministry, demons are being cast. People are experiencing the victory of Jesus over the, mm-hmm. the power of the enemy. That's mm-hmm. ultimately, I think, what mm-hmm. that's about. And then um, the healing, you know, all that miraculous stuff, uh, especially if you're reading like John, it's always a a sign of something, you know, concerning Jesus. And so, you know, Philip and and healing, it's a sign of of Jesus, uh, power to bring life, Jesus power to reconcile. Yeah. I mean, I think what's so interesting about that, I mean, it's our discomfort as sort of... (sighs) Presbyterian Christians writ large or American mm-hmm. middle-class Christians, however you want to put it, our discomfort with the inherently supernatural reality mm-hmm. of following Jesus. We're mm-hmm. just uncomfortable with that. And and Christianity in this country, I think, has been marketed as a as a moral code or even as a lifestyle choice, a self-help, you know, a spiritual I, self-help improvement. I was going to say self-help, plan of success, personal success. Right. And the yeah. reality is, like, you, you cannot demystify the gospel and when we try we de-jesus the gospel so i i just think paying attention to why are we so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. talking about exorcism or talking about spirits or talking about the supernatural and certainly you know people have um exploited and Mm -hmm. blasphemed jesus by using those traditions but lord knows people have exploited and blasphemed god using everything that's in scripture so that Mm -hmm. you know that's not a reason to toss everything out with the bathwater but to be able to say no i think the reason that we're uncomfortable with it is because it means that we have to come face to face with the idea that we are not in control of our own lives and that we are vulnerable to God and to you know powers and principalities, and we want to pretend mm-hmm. or believe it's a, it, the illusion that we're in control is very comfortable, and that destroys that illusion, which is not comfortable. And I'm noticing that that ministry of the early church looks like Jesus' ministry in the gospel. Well, it's interesting <laughs> you say that because I because I'm preaching so the third part of our our mission statement in this series that. I, about worth fighting for and mm. fighting for our mission and not just sort of sitting under the tree and waiting for God to make it rain Skittles until we meet, right? Like we're fighting for this. We're living for this. And and so we've been breaking down um, the, the our mission and the third part of the mission statement is 
um, coming alive in Christ. So the inviting all is everyone really welcome here. We did that. And then this past week to serve and talked about like a spectacle of goodness and, and wanting. I air. like that. Well, I, I do too. I wish I had said it better, but anyway, whatever. <laughs> Got another at bat this week. And then, um, but this week is to come alive in Christ that, that it's not just so that we can create a welcoming space in our own power, power, and it's not even just that we can serve, although those are wonderful things, but that the ultimate goal of life in Christ is to come alive in Christ. That, And I, I was reading something, a, a blurb from a book that I now can't remember the name or the author of, but he, he was talking about a, a, a woman who was struggling with addiction coming to his church and like the process of the church, you know, sort of the messy process of meeting her and becoming church with her. And, mm-hmm. um, and he, and, and it turns out that she became a very beloved member of the church and really mm-hmm. experienced a lot of transformation in her life. And he said, you know, so this is a happily ever after story, except that it's not because then seven years later, she got high again and died of an overdose. And he said, listen, here's wow. the thing. Wow. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good or good people better. Jesus came to make dead people alive, right? Mm. It's just this inherently what we are about is a supernatural, miraculous, frankly, unbelievable, foolish premise that Christ lives within us. And anything else is just is not taking the gospel seriously and and you know the transfiguration that moment where jesus goes up on the mountain with the with the three Mm -hmm. disciples and they have really no idea what's going on and then all of a sudden what is real and inside jesus for a moment becomes visible right Mm -hmm. so it's just it's not that anything has changed in jesus it's just that what was hidden in flesh becomes visible to the to these other men and so jesus is is glowing and there's this supernatural experience and and um but what i think is great about that text that i don't think i've ever really seen before is it's not just like hey, look at this guy do what he says, although it is that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it would be enough if it were that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, like as Andy Stanley says, anybody who says they're going to die and raise for the dead and pulls it off, like, just do what he says, right? Like, listen just to listen that to that guy. guy, right? So, But it's not even just that. Like, the audacious claim of the gospel is that that reality of Jesus happens in us so that we too are transformed not just by getting clean or or being better parents or being although all of those things probably will be fruit of what is happening but it's just bigger than that that Mm -hmm. we are called by god through christ to come alive in christ and that is not something that I can put on my agenda or pull yeah. off on my own so I can participate in it I can lean into it but yeah. but what is happening ultimately is a miracle in my flesh in your flesh in our flesh yeah. or else God is a liar right like yeah. that yeah. is yeah. the astonishing promise and I just feel like so many times we just try to water it down and make it smaller and smaller and especially like my only hope in any of this mm-hmm. in the state of the world right now in in the foolishness of being the grove among the mess and you know a step forward and seven steps back and th- yeah. you know just a, not being able to keep our promises to one another and just kind of fumbling along but the hope is that God is going to keep God's promise yeah. and God yeah. is doing a work of transformation 
transformation in us, transfiguration in us, and we are coming alive in Christ. The Christ in us is becoming more and more visible in ways that totally glorify God and not us. And in ways that we can, can't can fully imagine. We can't... Right. And that we're not producing, right? right. So right. it's yeah. not that we're going to do nothing, yeah. <laughs> but it is that we're going to do things in the deep humility of knowing that the things I do are out of obedience mm-hmm. um, and out of hope that I can just kind of show up here as an empty vessel, as a jar of clay, and that you will be faithful to your promises and put your treasure in it for your purposes and your glory. And I would rather devote my life to that mm. than anything else that I could possibly maybe pull off in the culture kingdoms, right? That yeah. that's what we're here for. So I that'll preach. Well, we'll see, right? But I <laughs> no, no that but I mean, will I do preach. Think, like that's the joy, though, right? Yeah. Like that's the yeah. joyful hope. Like I think so and it's, often it's the unique mission of the church, and right. so often we want to reduce the mission of the church to make it simply another organization, another club right. that people belong to, and 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 remove this supernatural component. Of right, it. and I just feel like that. That is what I what gives me hope for the world is that I you know I believe we we I believe in education I believe in mm-hmm. housing the homeless I believe in working for justice I believe in the political I believe all of those things are good and holy and worthy ways to be in ministry for Jesus and I live but I mean I believe that will change uh, whatever what will manifest the yeah. change in the world that God has already wrought is more and more people coming alive in Christ well, and transforming all fully, those institutions. If you fully engage the issues that you just named, at some point, I think if your eyes are open, at some point you hit a wall right. that says, I cannot, we cannot fix this. Right. And that to me is, and I, n- I never understood this, but like that's the kitchen table moment for MLK, right? And I remember, like I, I've always been really interested in King and really inspired by him. But I remember even in seminary reading about that moment that it's like way deep in mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. In, in, in his life, in his vocation, mm-hmm. that he's he's praying and, and he has this moment of, I mean, I correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding of that story is has this moment of hearing the voice of the Lord in the presence of God for the first time mm. saying, I'm in it. And as a, as a younger person, I was like, well, what in the world? Like he's yeah. already leading the yeah. movement. Yeah. He's already a yeah. pastor. Yeah. Like how can yeah. he be having this yeah. supernatural experience for the first time? Mm-hmm. But I think like we get to this point where we are at a point where, where who we are is so un. It's so not enough. It's not enough. It's so and if not God enough. God doesn't do it. It's then not we turn around, happen. right? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. if we are, if we are only willing to function in what is reasonable mm-hmm. and and what is um, you know acceptable and and what is you know um, admired mm-hmm. or understood, then then we just hit the ceiling, the self imposed ceiling of of what of how much of God we can participate in and mm. what God can use us for. And I feel like in that, I just really resonate with that moment of, of realizing like God has been active and present my whole life. And yet, you know, when I get to certain moments and and God gives me the grace not to turn around, I begin to have a whole different experience yeah. of the ultimacy of God. Which then is just so interesting to think about me like shaming my kid, like pay attention more in church. Like if you would only listen to my sermons, then you would know. I mean, oh, whatever. I'm I'm just a mess, but I'm excited to speak, uh, to preach about the transfiguration and about transformation and just about the reality of like, look, 
if God doesn't show up in this space, then we're fools. And I'm I'm ready to find that out. Yeah, right. I'm just yeah. I'm just ready to I'm ready to walk in in vulnerability. So. Yeah. Well, when you're pastoring small churches like the two of us, you either think you're you're the stuff and that yeah. you can do it, or you quickly realize, or at some point realize, you know what, I can't do this. I'm gonna I can put in effort, but if there is not the supernatural power of God working in me and in these people like we say we believe, then it's not going to happen. Right. And I think also just in that moment to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm now trying trying to to labor for what is real and not for the appearance of something. Mm, and so you realize like, good. okay, this is about, this is about asking God to show up in my life mm-hmm. in in supernatural profound ways That's and good. asking God to show up in supernatural profound ways in this community and if that is the case I don't it 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 has to become irrelevant to me how this community is perceived from the outside never irrelevant how it is right but but mm-hmm. it be, it I have to be able to hold with a total grain of salt what other people think about it or whether other people perceive it as good or, I mean, and I just think that's, that is the real, the real key that, because to say, when we talk about small churches and still I have, I have feelings about hearing my church described as small, even though it objectively is. And, and, but I have to hold fast and say, what about reading the gospel makes me think Mm. that a, a healthy community should be a particular size. I, I can't. Agreed. I, I, I just have to recognize that there often is the choice between being faithful and looking faithful. Mm. And I have got to pray for the grace to desire to be faithful instead of <laughs> the weakness and fear and anxiety that will allow me to settle for looking, looking faithful. faithful. Yeah, and and those good. things are rarely the, they're wow. rarely the same yeah. in, in a fallen world. Yeah.